Quick little prologue before we get started here on Fireside Nets. Live reaction to the Brooklyn win over the Utah Jazz, 114-106. The Nets now move to 38-34, a huge win at home for Brooklyn. And let me just say this, this is how you're supposed to play at home. Okay, I don't want to hear about the guys who aren't on the court. I want to focus on the guys who are on the court. And every single net contributed tonight in this one. Kevin Durant led the way, 37 points for him. Nine rebounds, eight assists. He took over in that third quarter. And of course, when the Jazz were making a run at the end of this game in the fourth quarter, Kevin Durant had a clutch jumper, and then he had an assist to Nick Claxton to pretty much seal the game. Speaking of, Nick Claxton has been phenomenal these past several games. I'm gonna you're gonna hear me talk about it on the podcast, but another crunch time bucket for Nick Claxton down the stretch late in the fourth quarter against the Jazz. Uh, this time it was an alley-oop from KD, but he's just been great for Brooklyn on both ends of the court. I, I mean, this game could be, his game tonight could be defined on one play. He stuffs Rudy Gobert on the defensive end and then catches a pass from KD on the fast break and yams it on Gobert's head. That was a poster if I've ever seen one. So great game for Nick Claxton. Uh, then you had Bruce Brown who, who continues to put on Epic performance after performance since the departure of James Harden. He had 22 points in this one, 7 of 14 from the field in 37 minutes. Brown was electric. Uh, Nice game for Patty Mills. Patty's been off these last few weeks. You're going to hear me talk about it on this show. Uh, He was 5 of 11, 3 of 9 from 3 for 13 points. But they were a big 13 points. He he had a stretch. I think he hit uh, back-to-back threes, and that was after... His old teammate Rudy Gobert had a jumper over him and, and talk some smack. A lot of talking in this game, mainly from KD, Bruce Brown, a little bit from Patty Mills. Um, Blake Griffin stepped up. He had a nice first half, nine points in that first half uh, on three or four from the field. He did hit a three. Uh, Kessler Edwards came in, made a few mistakes. Definitely not not a great game from, from Edwards or Thomas, but they collectively contributed nine points to this one. Um, and then finally, I mean, Drogic wasn't great. Seven points, three of 11 from the field. Uh, he did have seven assists. It's nice to see a, a point guard on this team that can sort of manage the game and, and find the open guy. The only sort of negative to come from this win was the loss of Seth Curry. He went down with an ankle injury in that uh, first half, and he did not return. Um, unfortunately, he's had to deal with ankle injuries Pretty much, I, I think, for this, this whole past year, I don't know how far it stems back, but uh, he, he missed a game a, a few games ago against Dallas. He was trying to rest the ankle, came out, he was on fire against Portland, and unfortunately uh, he went down tonight against Utah. So we, 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 hope, we wish him a speedy and quick recovery, but uh, you just hope he's okay after, after that ankle injury. Um, but this was a great win. I, I mean, 114-106 was the final. Um, you know, the, the Nets had... A, a great third quarter. They built this lead to 21 points in the fourth. Utah did go on a run. Donovan Mitchell had 30 points for the Jazz. Jordan Clarkson Clarkson also had a nice game as well. He had 19, and Mike Conley had 18 points. Um, but too much offense, too much Kevin Durant, 
And the Nets collectively defended the Jazz pretty well in, in this game. They took away a lot of the easy stuff in the paint, uh, contested a lot of three-pointers, even though the Jazz were hitting in that first half. They did not hit as much in the second half. Um, but I'll take it. Great win at home. These are the games that, you know, you're not sure if the Nets can, can pull these out against complete teams like the Jazz. But, but Kevin Durant, as long as he's on this team, they always have a chance. All right, enjoy the episode. Welcome to Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick, brought to you by Empire Sports Media. This is episode 104. That's right. We have been doing this for over 103 episodes. It is hard to believe, but Nick, time flies when you're doing a podcast with your little brother. And I don't think I've ever seen your face this red during a podcast. You okay over there? Yeah, so we'll, we'll get into our personal life pretty quickly before we jump over to Brooklyn Nets basketball. But um, I'm in between jobs, and I mean that literally. I uh, I, I, I don't know how I don't know how you'd mean it figuratively. Well, there's a figurative meaning to between two jobs, but usually people say that when they don't have a new job, they'll be like, "Oh, I'm in between jobs because I'm not working right now. I'm looking for work." Um, I was fortunate enough to find a new job while I was at my other company. I left the other company uh, pretty quickly. I was there there for a month. Um, and without getting you know into specifics, I sort of view it as a relationship. Uh, you, you might start a relationship with a person and it just you know from the get-go it's not right. So that's how I felt that at this old job I was at. I knew the, the second I started, it just wasn't a great fit. Um, so I, I, I did some some job searching and I, I found a, uh, another position that I thought would be a much better fit for me. So I start that job like in mid April and this, this, you know, my old job, I Friday was my last day. So now I have about 30 days to myself. Will I, what, what will I be doing in these 30 days? Of course, I'm going to be watching Brooklyn Nets basketball. I'll be making a little bit more content in my spare time tomorrow. I got a guest appearance um, on another large notable Nets podcast. Uh, that we've mentioned can, numerous can you times. Not say what it is. I'm going to tease it. I want people to to find yeah, out how, tomorrow. I don't. Okay. Okay. But, I was like, how are you going to tease it and not tell them? You know, I don't understand no. why this whole rant about your personal life came from me asking you why your face is so red. You could have just said, "I just played basketball." We're getting there. So the other thing I'll be doing, right. other than watching Nets basketball, is I really want to work out. You know, I've been out of shape for about I don't know my entire life, and uh, that's Nick's not true. Just, I feel like in high school you were like pretty skinny and a good athlete. Yeah, I played goalie for the varsity soccer team. You know, you didn't need to practice or, or be in shape for that. Um, but yeah, Nick's been uh, shaming me for years. And I think this is the month where and I got 30 days to myself. So I'm going to go to the gym in the morning and then I'll go to the courts in the afternoon and try to get a run in. So I just played some uh, some kids in Teaneck and two on two. I absolutely dominated. And um, they're probably contemplating on never playing the sport of basketball again, because what I did to them was absolutely disgusting I, you know, I hit him with yeah you know what we should do to make this interesting what we should set a goal for you no the next 30 days no nope. and if you hit it absolutely i will treat not. you i will treat you to a montesacro dinner with a bottle a couple of bottles of red wine first of all i'd rather go to a nets game how's that just buy me nets tickets you love that roman style pizza bro we all know you love that roman i do style love montesacro great place shout out to roman style uh, pizza. williamsburg montesacro on uh, on uh union ave check it out best best roman pizza outside the city pinsa pinsa my apologies 
Um, no, I'm not going to set any goals for myself. I'm just going to work out, try to Fantastic. eat a little bit healthier. Uh, if if I lose weight, great. If I don't, whatever. I'll, I'll go back to being a glutton um, when I start this new job. You seem All right, motivated. I'm super proud of you. <laughs> Thanks, baby, bro. Let's get into some Nets basketball. Um, only played three games this last week. We'll start with the Trailblazers win, 128-123. to uh, This was an absolutely wild game in the sense that the Blazers had virtually nobody. They came into this game, no Damian Lillard, no Yusuf Nurkic, of course. Anthony Simons is out. Their best player was Josh Hart. And then you had this, this other player, this point guard that I don't think anyone's ever heard of named Brandon Williams. Okay. Brandon Williams is, is, is six, two, he's 22 years old. He's out of the college of Arizona. He's a rookie, but this is a guy who, you know, if you're not a trailblazers fan, I don't think you know who the hell this guy was. And in the first half, the nets got absolutely carved up by the Portland trailblazers. I mean, they allowed 33 to the Blazers in the first quarter. The Nets scored 34. But in that second quarter, the Blazers scored 42 points, Nick, to the Nets 28. And that is with Josh Hart and Brandon Williams and Devin Eubanks beating us to every single rebound. For the people who are listening, I want to just really quickly name this like eight or nine man rotation the Blazers have right now because you might recognize two players. Trenton Watford, Justice Winslow, obviously from the Heat. Drew Eubanks, Josh Hart, Brandon Williams, Chris Dunn, Providence was on the Bulls, CJ Ellaby, Ben McLemore, obviously been bounced around. Uh, that was the entire squad. Obviously, it's a young, hungry squad. They're all trying to fight for contracts. So this is a good opportunity for all of them. But I just wanted to put into perspective who scored 42 points. You can continue. And what was gross about that first half, Nick, is they just beat us in every facet of the game. I mean, offensively, they were they were executing. They were better than us. Defensively, they were making life difficult for us. And then every loose ball, there was a play where two guys on the Blazers dove for the ball, and they ended up with a wide-open layup, and they just had a bunch of Nets standing around being like, what's going on? So, you know, Nets Twitter was on fire during that first half. We all thought the sky was falling. How could a Kevin Durant-led Nets team, no Kyrie, had Seth Curry, had a lot of guys, no LaMarcus Aldridge, no Joe Harris, no Ben Simmons. But how could a Kevin Durant Nets team be beat by a Josh Hart, Brandon Williams, Ben McElmore-led Trailblazers team? I you literally know, wrote, I, I tweeted, Nick, I said, this team, I don't know how you can look at them as a championship contender right now because that's not what championship contenders do. Now, granted, there was a whole nother half of basketball that had to be played, and luckily the Nets figured that out. We'll, we'll get to that second half of basketball because it wasn't all bad in this when we did win the game. But, what, I mean, what were you going to say? I didn't mean to cut you off. I just, you know, I, I see performances like that in that first half, and I think that they have no chance at making a championship run. I mean, you know what the most dangerous type of team is? What? a team that has nothing to lose. The Blazers have nothing to lose. They're not going to make the playoffs. Their best two players, Nurkic and, McCall- and uh, Lillard are out. McCollum's now on the Pelicans. They are in full rebuild mode. They are in full scatter mode. They are in full replacements mode, right? And as Gene Hackman said, there is no tomorrow for you. And that makes you all very dangerous people. But um, listen, this, this is a game where the Blazers had nothing to lose, like I said, and the Nets had everything to lose, right? We have a 60% chance right now, according to BPI, of making the playoffs. We're in the eighth seed. We're one spot behind the seventh seed, Trailblazers, who are three games ahead of us, who have a nine. Not, not the Trailblazers. The, the, the Raptors, Try again. The, the there Raptors. you go. 
the Raptors who have a 95% chance of making the playoffs. Um, thanks for that little New York Giants graphic. I didn't mean screen. to do that. My I bad. know, I know. Um, so like I've said over the past few weeks, a couple realizations, we play down to our opponents. You argued with me that about that last week where you're like, well, everybody in the NBA is competitive, so we, we don't play down. Everyone could fight us. Really? This Trailblazers team should be able to play with us? With CJ Ellaby? Have you seen that guy? He probably has the ugliest jump shot I have ever seen in my life. If you and CJ Ellaby had a three-point contest, you would beat him, okay? CJ Ellaby is a guy who could only be in the NBA on a, on a 50% wounded Trailblazers team. So we can't let these games come this close. Like you said, we're missing a lot of key guys. It doesn't matter. Durant drops 38. Thank God it does feel like Durant and Kyrie at this point are just taking turns, taking over, right? You're going like Kyrie 50, Durant 54, uh, Kyrie 40-something, now Durant 38. So it, it does seem like our stars are stepping up in the other's absence or in the other's lack of, of uh, efficiency, which is great. Um, and I'm going to keep saying this, Bruce Brown, you were all out on Bruce Brown. The, the uh, departure of James Harden has only made Bruce Brown a bigger, more important, confident contributing factor to this Nets team. I don't think we win this game without 17 from Bruce Brown to go along with seven rebounds and always lock down D. I'm looking at Seth Curry, 27, Drummond, 17, Cam Thomas, 11. Everyone else besides them and Durant was kind of off again. Good, efficient uh, day from the field for us. We picked it up in the second half, ended up shooting 58%, which is insane, about 9% over our season average, 10% over our season average. Should probably more than that. And uh, the Blazers shot 50%, which is a little unlike them, given the uh, the lack of talent they have. So, again, we pulled out the win. It's never that pretty these past couple weeks, uh, with the exception of a couple games, but we made it happen. So, I don't think it's a concern, but what I will say, just speaking of the East standings, as we're sitting in the eighth spot and, you know, Playoffs are up in the air, given the fact that Kyrie's only playing three of the next uh, of our last 11 regular season games. Watching first take this morning, uh, everybody kind of in first take unanimously agreed that the Bucks are the most dangerous team in the East. Uh, and I so I guess we bring up the question, 60% chance to make the playoffs. If we do, we're probably keeping that eighth spot, maybe sliding into seventh, but it's a low chance. Are we afraid of this Bucks team? Because I think we said last time, I want to play the Heat but I don't want to play the Sixers or Bucks. Uh, if I had to pick one team out of the three not to play, it's probably the Bucks. But I will say that with Andre Drummond and Nick Claxton, and you'll have LaMarcus Aldridge back for the playoffs, at least you have bodies to throw at Giannis Antetokounmpo and Joel Embiid uh, and Bam Adebayo. I, I mean – you know, I so in we'll get back to this Blazers Nets game real quick. I just have a few comments and then we can sort of get back to that. Who do we want to play? Just, in the to, give that, just to give everyone a quick update, we're in eighth and the top three right now are Heat at one, Bucks at two, Sixers at three. So if I had to pick three stars for this Blazers uh, Nets Nets win, Kevin Durant number one, Seth Curry. I want to give this man his flowers. You mentioned his stat line: twenty-seven points, seven of eleven from three-point land. I had a comment. Uh, on Twitter that was met with some skepticism, but I think most people understood it. Seth Curry is doing what we brought Patty Mills here to do. Now, Patty Mills has been really bad since the all-star break. And he's, he's been bad for a few months. This is a spot up three point shooter. He's a catch and shoot guy who has just been shooting horribly from three. And this one, Oh, of four from three, zero points um, in 17 minutes for Patty Mills. But Seth Curry, he, he's, he's had to deal with some ankle issues we did not have him for that game against the Mavericks, which would have been another revenge game because Seth Curry played for the Mavericks. But here he played for Portland too, and he goes off for 27 points. And he really, 
was that second scoring punch that the Nets needed because KD can't do it all himself. He had 38 points, but he had a lot of eight turnovers for Kevin Durant. That number is very high. You can't ask this guy to do everything. And honestly, he was Durant was very efficient. 11 from 15 from the field, 14 of 15 from the free throw line. Um, but you needed that Seth Curry sort of three-point barrage throughout this game. Um, if I had to pick a fourth and a fifth star, Andre Drummond goes for 17 uh, nine rebounds. He was six to 10 from the field. And then Nick Claxton, Nick Claxton has had two really clutch moments in back-to-back games. He hit a huge shot in that Mavericks game. Um, I think it was a, oh, it might've been a tip in or whatever in this game, Bruce Brown misses a floater Claxton with one arm tips it in to essentially keep the lead for the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, but Claxton has been playing some really great basketball in the absence of LaMarcus Aldridge on the defensive side of the ball. And, and he's made do on the offensive side of the ball, despite not having James Harden, who let's face it, when you have a James Harden, that allows Claxton to be much more involved in the pick and roll game uh, and just overall more efficient on offense. So shout out to Nick Claxton for sort of figuring it out post James Harden. Now back to your, your, your question in regards to the top three teams in the East, Um, I give the Nets a fighting shot against all three. I think that Milwaukee is tough because Giannis is so dominant. You know, you you have the duo of Middleton and and Holiday, and then they just have a lot of three-point shooters. Like, Bobby Portis is shooting very well from three this year. Grayson Allen is a weapon for the Milwaukee Bucks. He's a good spot-up shooter. Um, And and they they just have a really nice roster. And, And look, Javon Carter. He's on the Milwaukee Bucks. DeAndre Bembry, you don't think they want to crack at the team that that dropped them in the Brooklyn Nets? So I, I, I am scared of Milwaukee. I think that, you know, Giannis is playing like an MVP. Um, I got to be honest with you, Nick. I would welcome Philadelphia right now. And we'll get into some of the woes of, of the Sixers and James Harden later because I think it's worth discussing. But I don't think that they're playing great basketball these since Harden's been there. They've beaten up on a few bad teams. Um, but yesterday, you know, as a game against the Raptors at home, you should win that game. It was a close game in the fourth quarter. So I, I would absolutely welcome a, a Sixers first round series. I think we can beat them. I think that, you know, you have the bodies to annoy Joel Embiid and you know, every net knows James Harden's game. So there's no way, you know, he's, he's going to pull something out of his bag that the Nets haven't seen before. Um, and then the heat. Yeah. I think if I had to rank them, I'd say, give me the heat first. I don't think that the heat are as good as people think they are. I think they're a regular season juggernaut. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Nick, did Hero get hurt yesterday or two days ago? He might be dealing with something. I don't know. Sure. Don't don't do me a favor. Look that up while I'm ranting and raving. Um, but I don't think the Heat are are anything to to worry about. I think you know we probably have in that series the two best players on the court in Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. I don't think Jimmy Butler is is is. Uh, I'm not going to say he's not great because that's that's you know not the nicest thing to say about a, a player that single-handedly with Bam on a bio hero and Robinson willed his team to a finals appearance in the bubble. Um, but I'm not scared of Jimmy Butler come playoff time. I'm I don't just see, not scared I don't of see the any. Game. I don't see anything on hero. So either. maybe maybe I made that up. Uh, I don't know. I read something about hero. Maybe it wasn't. Did you put, did you put a hurt. hit on him or something? No, I didn't. I mean, he's having an unbelievable season. Don't get me wrong. These Miami Heat, they're a great team right now. And you add PJ Tucker. Um, you, you have Max Strauss, who's had a really good season off the bench. You still have Dunky Robinson. Shout out to Duncan. And uh, what's his podcast called? The The Last Shot? The Long Shot. The Long Shot. I've been listening to his, his Because he was a long shot to make the NBA. 
Oh, Division Three. Shout out Williams before he played at Michigan. Yeah, correct. And I'm um, anyway, not scared of the Heat, not scared of the Sixers, but I would rather play the Heat than the Sixers, and I'd probably rather play the Bucks last because let's face it, out of those three teams, one of them has a championship ring. One of them has gotten to the NBA Finals and won the NBA Finals. And had to get past us to do it. Yeah. So that's that's my uh, that's my answer to your question. Do you want to move on and we'll we'll rewind all the way back to the Tuesday night win against the Magic, or did you have any more comments uh, before we move on? No, I think we spent enough time on that. So, all right. So we played the Magic on Tuesday night. The Nets put up a whopping one fifty uh, and only allowed one hundred eight points. If I am not mistaken, Nick, this was the Kyrie Irving goes for 60 game. Yeah, he could not miss. It was the most fun game to watch Kyrie. I think <laughs> I think ever of all time we had it on in our apartment uh, at halftime. I believe he had 40 or 41. Yep. And uh, uh, yeah, I think so. And uh, one of my roommates turns to the other roommate and goes over under uh, 50 on the game. And my roommate turns to him and goes, you're an idiot. I will take the over on that every day. And they actually bet. Uh, on whether or not he'd have nine or 10 more points in the second half. And he blew right by it for 60. I mean, this guy, Kyrie Irving is on, is on a vengeance. He is on a tear. He is so impatient. He just wants to play. He's so sick of these mandates. He's so sick of the haters. He's sick of the doubters. And he goes out and he does what he does best. Uh, And it's beautiful. I mean, I said this last time after Steph Curry, he might be the most fun guard in the NBA to watch with the ball in his hands because he's a wizard. It, the, the ball somehow does not leave his hands. He's weaving, he's winding, and he gets his shot over people heads taller than him somehow on every angle. So, listen, the Magic are absolutely terrible. They're all they're at the bottom of the East right now. Um, so this was obviously an expected win, especially with Kyrie playing on the road. Um, I, I won't say full force, but as full of force as it's going to get right now because until Ben Simmons plays – um, I don't think we're ever going to say like we're we're you know missing our Ben Simmons. He hasn't even played yet. It's hard to miss someone who hasn't played. So this is as full force as it really gets for us. Um, I don't think actually Aldridge was missing as well. But you have Durant and Kyrie. Kyrie took over. You had some contribution from Kessler Edwards, fourteen off the bench. Claxton a double double at twelve and ten. Patty Mills fifteen. I know Patty Mills been struggling, but that was a solid performance. Again, Bruce Brown crossed the scoreboard ten eight and five. Um, and Drummond finished with 10 and 6. So a good team performance, but this was the Kyrie show. Everyone kind of was uh, was supporting cast. Um, but kind of just a fun game to watch. We shot 60% from the field. They shot 37. Was never really out of the question. Um, this is one of those games where we were crushing them by so bad. If Kyrie wasn't doing insane things, I would have turned it off and been like, this is a massacre. I don't need to watch this. But you literally had to just stay tuned in to see when Kyrie would miss a shot, which was very rare. I mean, I'm running out of ways to describe him. He He's must-watch TV. If he is playing for the Brooklyn Nets, you have to tune in because the man has the deepest bag in the NBA. You can't find another player who can score in the variety of ways that Kyrie Irving can score. Off the dribble, catch and shoot, in the lane, through the trees. The, the mid-range game is on point. The three-point stroke has been there for the majority of this season. He is just such a dynamic scorer and and it always brings up these arguments is there a player in the nba a guard or a forward who is a better all-around scorer than kyrie irvin it's close when when he has it going um not to take away from his historic night and he did get taken out of this game with eight minutes and 32 seconds left in the fourth quarter so if he wanted 
probably could have went for 70 or 80. I, I mean, it, it was on the table for him. I'm glad Nash took him out. You never want to see a guy just keep going to try to get records. I mean, we haven't seen someone do that since Kobe Bryant scored 81 against the Raptors back in the day. Uh, shout out Jalen Rose. Um, but the one thing I'll say, and I, again, I don't want to take away from, from this historic night for Kyrie Irving, the Magic played the Pistons like a few nights later and let Sadiq Bey score 51. So, you know, the Magic are a lost cause this year. They've given up a lot of epic performances. I know Joel Embiid has pretty much pooped on them every time he's played them. Uh, it just seems like they have virtually no sort of defensive mentality, especially in recent weeks, now that they know the season's kind of over. So nothing they need, against uh, Sadiq. They, they need Jameer Nelson back. But if I wasn't, I wasn't exaggerating when I said the Magic are at the bottom of the East, guys. They're 19 and 53, <laughs> and they are 15th in the East. And I'm just going to quickly cross-reference over to the West. The only team with a worse record is the Houston Rockets in 15th in the West at 17 and 54. So just to put that in perspective. Right, right. So, I mean, you know, good for Kyrie Irving. I think if this is against a, a Milwaukee Bucks team or a Sixers team, he probably goes for 30 or 40 instead of 60. Um, but, I mean, he was in his bag. He had everything going for him. Shout out to him. He had 50-something uh, the week before, and then he goes for 60 in this game. It is a travesty. This man is not able to play at the Barclays uh, Center right now. But we're not going to talk about the mandate, Nick. I told myself no vaccine, no mandate talk. It's pointless to go back and forth with that shit at this point uh, until it's lifted or until he's allowed to play. I don't want to hear shit about it. Is that fair? Absolutely. All right. We'll move on to this was the heartbreaker of the week. Nets Mavericks. The Mavs win this game on a buzzer beater three by none other than Spencer Dinwiddie. 113, 111. The Mavericks took this one. Uh, Doncic gave us 37 Nine rebounds, nine assists. Dinwiddie with 22 points. He had a huge second half. Uh, this was a game that the Nets probably should have won. They were up for the majority of this game. They scored 30-plus in every single quarter until that fourth quarter. The Mavs were able to hold us to 20. They got 34 in that quarter. And, you know, sometimes in, in basketball, it's as simple as who's going to have the last shot. Kevin Durant had a, a beautiful top-of-the-key a uh, well-contested three-point shot to put the Nets up one with about eight seconds left. The one thing I'll say, Nick, I don't know why he took that shot so quickly. We, we did not have a shot clock on that possession, so he could have held it for a final shot, which if you're going to hit a two, it's going to tie the game. You hit the three to put us up one, and I'm, I'm glad he hit it. But eight seconds for a Mavericks team with Luka Doncic, with Spencer Dinwiddie, it, it, it's, it's a lot of time. And, and granted, uh, you know, I'll start here. We, we, we double Luca. You know, we put two guys on him. He gets rid of it. He gets it to Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie wasn't wide open. Drogic was there. He got there a little late. Dinwiddie gets a clean look off. It goes in. You sort of live with that result. You know, you'd rather that play than Luca or, or you defend Luca one-on-one and he hits a step back three to beat you like he has so many times against opposing teams. So did you, for my first question is, did you think that that was the right decision to double Luca given the result? I'm actually going to go before on what you said and disagree with you on the Kevin Durant decision. And this is something I see in basketball and in college basketball a lot, especially with March Madness on right now. I don't believe that you need to hold the ball for the last shot. I think you need to hold the ball for the best shot. And if you watch the TCU 
Arizona game, nine seed versus one seed. TCU should have won that game. Matherin on Arizona had an unbelievable three to send into OT, uh, and then he kind of took over from there. But the reason TCU uh, even went to OT was because TCU was trying to dribble around for, for 10 seconds and get a buzzer beater shot, and they, the guy ended up falling down and getting double teamed, uh, uh, Mike Miles Jr., when in fact they should have drawn up a play Whoever has the shot takes the shot. Now, listen, I'm not saying if there's 20 seconds left, get a shot off with 15 seconds left. But if you're in the six to nine second range and you have a wide open two, a good look, a clean look, you're feeling confident, you're in your, in your, uh, uh, you know, in the flow of the game, you're catching it in motion, you're Joe Harris and you're catching it right in shooting position with your legs set. Why take that extra couple seconds to get yourself out of your rhythm? Okay, so Durant was in his rhythm. He felt good with the look. He had a nice look. Durant, pretty much everything for him is a good look, but he was ready to take the shot. He hit the shot, right? It would be easy to complain about this. It is easy to complain about it because the Mavs had a buzzer beater on the back of Spencer Dinwiddie. If he never hit that, we would never say Durant shot it too early, right? It's only too early because they ended up hitting a harder and better shot. Well, uh, it, but it, yes, I understand what you're saying in the flow of your offense. You want to get that shot off. You just have to have a lot of confidence in your defense at that point. You know what yes, I'm saying? But, yes, but did Dinwiddie, listen, and I'll say this too, because it was Spencer Dinwiddie, who is our guy, all right? His name's Spencer. He was our guy on the Nets. He crushed it during the pandemic in the bubble. He's such a likable dude. I never wanted to get rid of him, but I understand why he left to get a bigger contract at the Wizards. Hated the locker room presence in the Wizards. There was kind of a team who's been tanking, didn't respect Dinwiddie's leadership. He was really trying to go on a contender, gets traded to the Mavs, and all of a sudden he's shooting 45% from the field. He's become a key contributor on a, on a playoff, a high, high playoff contention team. I like this new Mavs team. So I got to give credit where credit's due to Spencer Dinwiddie. With that said, Dinwiddie doesn't hit that shot a lot of the time, okay? It was a tough, insane sweet shot. And, and, and that's that's what Kevin Durant said. If you heard Kevin Durant's postgame presser, he's like, there, there's a very small – I don't think there's a high probability that shot usually goes in. No. But he's making $20 million a year, so he should hit that shot. But KD basically implied you, you live with that doubling – but, again, you got to answer my first question. Did you think doubling Luka was the right decision? I did. I did. I mean, dude, it's Luka. Luka's a star, okay? Um, I'm like the, the conclusion I was going to make for my last point is I'm not even mad. Didn't we hit that shot because I love Dinwiddie. And I was trying to think if there's anybody in the league, who's going to beat us on a buzzer beater, who would I rather it be than Dinwiddie? And the only other player that came to mind was Karis Levert, two guys who, who were on the nets, who we loved, who we didn't want to leave, but understand why they left. So yes, on the last play of the game to, to answer your original question, I think it was smart to double Luca. You're looking at like a Dinwiddie option. You're looking at a Dorian Finney-Smith option. The Mavs are a, a decent shooting team. They got Brunson. They got Kleba. They have some nice options there. But, yes, it was the best call. Doncic is arguably one of the most clutch players in the league. Like I said, Dinwiddie has opportunities to hit buzzer beaters before. He usually does not hit them. At times, he, he, he is clutch. At times, more times than not, he hasn't been uh, over his career. So, yeah, I think we made the right decision. And we just – he hit the shot, right? We We – Asked for that shot. We forced that shot, and he stepped up, and Spencer Dinwiddie gets the shot. I don't think that's on the Nets losing the game. I think that's on Dinwiddie winning the game. Did we get outscored by 14 in the fourth quarter, 34 to 20, to put ourselves in the position to lose that game? Yeah, of course. But with that situation, I don't think I would have drawn it up any other way. Durant got a good look. He hit it. They got a tough look from their second or third option, depending on how you look at this Mavs team, and he hit a really tough shot. You got to give him some credit where credit's due. And he was talking that talk after he hit that shot. Dinwiddie was fired up. Um, yeah, just a tough L. And I'll say this. Give the Nets a lot of credit. 
Second half of a back-to-back. No Seth Curry in this one. No Kyrie. It was basically Kevin Durant and company trying trying to beat no, Aldridge. the Mavs. No Aldridge. We're the Mavs. The fourth seed in the in the West? Fifth seed? They are up there. The Mavs are a playoff. Are fifth, a playoff fifth, right. They fifth are right now. in the fifth seed at 43 and 28. So, uh, so you, you give the Nets credit for essentially holding it down for the majority of that game. They just had a bad fourth quarter. You live with the result. You move on. But two and one on the week, not a terrible week for the Brooklyn Nets. We really can't afford to lose um, games like the one against Orlando, like the one against the Trailblazers the other day. That's that's what made that first half so frustrating because you understand a buzzer-beater loss to the Mavericks. You don't like it. You might hate it, but you understand it. You, we can't accept a loss to a Trailblazers team with Devin Eubanks giving it to us. We, we, we can't accept it. And we didn't lose. Um, we did not. A uh, few little notes before we end the show. Ben Simmons update. He is dealing with a herniated disc in his back. And although his return to action this season is uncertain, he wants to be back on the floor as soon as he can. Sources tell Sham Sharania of The Athletic. Um, you heard something similar from Steve Nash. He had an epidural when they were in Florida, I believe, for his back. Uh, Nash is hopeful he's able to get a few games in. I think they're, they haven't said this, but they've implied they're eyeing a, a return about two or three games, but you know, left in the regular season. I just don't know how hopeful you can be at this point. You've almost seen no progress on this guy's back getting better. He's been at the practices. He's been at the shoot arounds, but he hasn't been able to participate. Um, so, you know, we might not be seeing Ben Simmons debut for a minute here and we have 11 games left, Nick. That's it. 11 games left. So I just don't know when Nets fans are going to get to see this guy play. I'm uh, I'm going to talk some shit here. And I know Ben Simmons is on the Brooklyn Nets and I'm only going to talk shit because I want to see him play. And I really do think Ben Simmons could be uh, very valuable to this Nets team and a piece of the puzzle that could help us win a championship. But talk I, that trash, Nick. Talk that no. trash. Uh, our dad's favorite band is the Allman Brothers. All right, it's a '70s classic rock band uh, from the South. Fantastic. Greg Allman, Dwayne Allman are the two brothers that led the band. They both, unfortunately, have passed away at this point, but the band has continued on, contrib- continued on with some younger guys. Greg Allman got drafted for the Vietnam War. In order to avoid the war, Greg Allman shot himself in the foot with a gun because his physical was the next day, and he and when he went and they saw he had shot himself in the foot, he couldn't get drafted to, uh, to go to war and join the army and fight in Vietnam. Um, I'm not going to comment on whether or not I agree with his tactics there. I don't want to take anything away from Ben Simmons. I don't know. I don't want to say he's the boy who cried wolf. I don't want to say he's faking it. I don't want to say, uh, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to assume anything. This is partially me making a joke. It just kind of feels like every time Ben Simmons has a chance to play, there's another issue that we knew nothing about, nor do we really know much of the cause of. So Again, I don't think Ben Simmons is hurting himself. I don't think he's faking these injuries. I bet they're real. It's just starting to get a little comical that every every week, oh, he wants to make it back this week. He wants to make it that week. Oh, nope, he just got pushed back to this injury. He just got pushed back to this injury. It just sounds like Ben Simmons is shooting himself in the foot. He's not mentally ready to play. He's not physically ready to play. Uh, and again, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm partially joking, so I'm saying this with a grain of salt. But at what point is he going to step on the court? I'm almost... I almost wouldn't be surprised if he didn't play until next season at this point. 
You sound like you're from Philadelphia right now. Are you sure that that uh, you know our Dude, parents are the ben same? Simmons. I love Ben you, Simmons. You, and you, I might, love watching, you might have some some different parents. And I love, who grew watching, up I love in, watching the Sixers team crack and burn. But what's going on, man? I mean, he was supposed to come and he was like super pumped to play against the Sixers. Then he wasn't going to play against the Sixers. And then it gets pushed back to April. Now he's dealing with back. Now he's dealing with a disc. I mean, at what at what point? And when? How was he hurting himself so much? And is he going that hard in practice? No, he hasn't practiced yet. I don't think that. I think that was just part of his rehab. Part of his rehab. I don't know, man. I I'm only saying this because I'm frustrated that he's not playing because we would be better with him on the court. So listen, joking, but not. Also, don't shoot yourself in the foot by any circumstances. Whether unless, you're, you, unless you don't want to go to war, man. Or just you know what? No, we're not doing this. If you got um, drafted, if I actually, I don't think I'd get drafted because of my Achilles, and you probably wouldn't get drafted because I get migraines. You're seventy percent pizza. <laughs> <laughs> you know something? The birthday roast was last week. Okay? <laughs> you don't get to be mean to me this episode. <laughs> um. All right. And then my final thing: we haven't done this segment in a while, so I'm very excited for this segment. You want to do a, a a nice tisk tisk for James Harden? I'm happy to do a tisk tisk. All right. Three, two, one. Tisk, tisk, tisk. James Harden, you wanted a trade to Philadelphia, so or yeah, so you can you can play with with players that want to win, to want to win basketball games. That was your goal. You said the Nets don't win enough. KD's hurt. Kyrie's part time. Send me the fuck out of here. I'm gonna party. I'm gonna eat a lot. I'm gonna play like shit against the Kings, so I can get to my my way to a contender. And guess what? You have not been playing great. Since we made the trade, Sixers fans are almost out on you. So the Sixers played the Raptors on Sunday night. They lost 93 to 88. This was a close game down the stretch. Harden had multiple opportunities to basically win this game for the Sixers. What did he do? He went 5 of 12 from the field, 0 of 4 from three-point range, 17 points. I don't have his turnover number in front of me, but I'm I'm sure it it was a decent number. Um, in 38 minutes, you know what I mean? So, so that's embarrassing. They brought James Harden here to the Sixers with hopes that he would be a co-leader with Joel Embiid. But since those two have been playing together, it is clear that Joel Embiid is the dominant personality. He is the leader and James Harden is a sidekick who occasionally doesn't come through in the clutch, which is actually his entire MO for the playoffs. So Sixers fans, This is what you wanted. You wanted James Harden in Philadelphia. This is what James Harden wanted. But tisk tisk, you have not been playing to your potential, and it's showing. And guess what? I don't think that he can ever get back to what we saw in Houston. Sure, he'll have the the, the big games against the Magic and the Pistons, and he'll go for 30-plus, and he'll, he'll fool you. He'll show you a glimpse of what he used to be, and you'll say, wow, James Harden, if he's capable of doing this tonight, maybe he's capable of doing this against... You know, the Heat, the Bucks, the Nets, the best teams in the league. But when he played the Nets, he was horrible. When he played the Raptors, he was really bad. And this is sort of becoming a trend in these games where they're intense and defense is played and it's a close game. I know they almost gave up that game against the Magic the other night. They ended up winning, but that was not a great James Harden game either. So, you know, I, I just tisk tisk. Be careful what you wish for. You got your wish. Just might get. 
now you don't have Kevin Durant. You don't have Kyrie Irving. It's just you, Joel Embiid, and Tyrese Maxey, who actually on some nights might be better than James Harden. He had 19 points, 8 of 14 from the field in this one. Uh, he was the only sixer who really showed up. And Embiid put up 21 on 6 of 20 from the field, 0 of 3 from three-point range. Um, so happy to see the Sixers lose. The, the city of Philadelphia might be my new uh, least favorite city uh in regards to sports, it's close to taking over Boston for me. I, I fucking hate Boston with every ounce of my being. Darn it. I wasn't going to curse on this podcast today. I'm trying to I'm trying to be better with, with my F-bombs. But no, nah, fuck Boston. Fuck Philadelphia. They both stink. Uh, they're fun to party at, and, and the games are fun to go to, but their sports teams are absolutely the worst. And actually, I hate I mean, them. The Celtics. I nothing. The Celtics are ten and two after the All Star break. They actually look really good. I think it's like second. I, best I just wish them. I wish them nothing but misery. Yeah, but you don't think the Celtics are going to? When you asked me about those three playoff teams, you didn't bring up Boston. You don't think that that the Celtics are a real contender no, in the East? No, I'm not worried about the Celtics. Uh, and I'll just add on to your Harden point. Harden and Embiid both did not score in the last four minutes of that game that they lost against Toronto, who is seventh in the East uh, ahead of us, and just has has no business beating a Sixers team that's in, in second uh, right now. Should so, we give Joel Embiid a tisk tisk uh, in, in third place, sorry, the Sixers. Um, no, I, I, I won't shit on Joel Embiid. I actually really like Joel Embiid. He's had to deal with a lot, and he, and he, he always comes in the clutch. Uh, Harden, it's funny how, you know, not to keep tooting my own horn, I was skeptical of him coming to the team. I didn't think it was a great idea. He came to the team. I bought in, right? That first third of the season, he was the fucking guy, and he was so fun to watch, and he was leading this team. We were all about it. Uh, and then obviously it started to fall off. It almost feels like instead of doing this for a third of a season, he did it for three games. He was the guy that this, he was a God in Philadelphia for the first three games. Now in the last six games, he's three and three in the last six games. He's not shooting nearly as well. He's not shooting efficiently. He doesn't look like he's bringing the energy and the leadership that they want him to bring. He just, it almost looks like he did this up to the nets and now he's doing it to the Sixers on a much sh- in a much shorter time span. Like it keeps deteriorating quicker and quicker as his career goes on. He comes to a team, he's the hero, and then he quickly falls off and gets hated. Listen, it's still super early in the season. They're they're gonna make the playoffs guaranteed uh, unless like everybody on their team gets like hit by a bus, which I don't want to happen. Uh, and and they could very well so make a run with the talent that they have. I think Maxi's an All Star for the next year or two. So it's a little early to say. The Sixers fans are turning on Harden. Obviously, they're not. They would rather have Harden. I'm not saying they're turning on Harden, but they are a lot less hyped uh, than they were his first few games, and they are a lot more skeptical. They are. Yeah, yeah, because it seems like he wants to perform for a couple games, have everyone love him, and then he kind of loses interest, likes to party, and doesn't give a shit as much anymore. And listen, I'm not saying every NBA player should like all the all the want all they want in their entire careers to win a championship, right? Because there's some players like Darren Williams, who I won't get into, who didn't care about winning championships. He wanted a max contract and then he wanted to sit down with a lot of money and not give a shit anymore about basketball. Okay. And every time people try to trade Harden to a championship contender team, he doesn't seem like the guy who wants to win the championship. He seems like the guy who likes his own attention. He likes being the hero. He likes thinking he's the fucking man. And then when push comes to shove, when people start to put pressure on him to win it doesn't seem like that's his priority, okay? And a very male wife, it very well might be. I don't know Harden uh, on, an, on an intimate level, right? We've never hugged intimately before. But what I will say is it just seems Embiid wants it more than anybody, right? You see Durant and Kyrie's energy. They want it this year so badly. And you see Harden, and I don't see the same heart. I don't see the same fight. And that's what I saw wear off very quickly in Brooklyn. And then I won't be surprised to see wear off in Philly as time goes on to the point where who knows where he's going to be next season. So, 
a lot of things up in the air. That'll end my tisk tisk rant. Um, I'm not surprised. It is like a nice middle finger in the fans of Phillies face in the fan of uh, Sixers faces, though. In the yeah, in the face I, uh, of Sixers fans. In the face of Sixers fans, you give you flipping the bird. Um, agree with everything you said. I, you know, look, nobody cares if you're gonna party after games. No one. Dennis Rodman was one of the biggest partiers ever, but he had that motor. He brought it every single night. James Harden. And he's a champion, have, and he's a champion. He's a champion. James Harden does not have Dennis Rodman's motor. He sometimes, some nights, it looks like he doesn't have a motor to begin with. Um, you have that. You also have the fact that you know. I'll give you a micro, micro. Is it microcosm? Is that the word? Sure. Uh, just a little bit into like James Harden's attitude. So there was. Out, never mind. What'd you say? Nothing. Continue. There was a moment uh, a few games ago. I was I was watching uh, something on Twitter. There was a play where like Maxi had a wide open three. He passed it up, got the ball back, hit the dagger. I think maybe it was to close out the Magic or somebody. But you see Harden's like yelling at him on the sideline. And what gives Harden the right? Maxi's been there all year. He might be a young player in this league, but why is Harden in his grill? Oh, you got to shoot that shooter when you're wide open. Worry about your own game, man. Maxi's been killing it this year. I have nothing bad to say about Tyrese Maxi. I wanted him as a Nets fan in that trade when we gave up Harden. Um, but it just it's just weird vibes with Harden, man. And I'll tell you this. I know Embiid was hyped to get him. Um, he's he's spoken glowingly of James Harden for, during those first few games, but James Harden's ruined almost every single relationship with his co-superstar teammate in his career. Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, um, Kevin Durant now. The list goes on and on and on. So wh- who's not to think that this relationship with Joel Embiid and, and James Harden won't blow up immediately if they don't make a run to the championship this year? And by the way, Harden is due for a ton of money this offseason that you know Daryl Morey wants to pay him. Um, so, yeah, we, that, that's enough ranting about James Harden. He, he, he got, we got what he deserved in that game against the Raptors, and, you know, hopefully they, they get a first-rounder or second-round exit in the playoffs depending on who they play. Um, all right, we're going to move on, Nick, real fast before we end the show. Quick shout-out to one of the greatest sixth men of all time, former Brooklyn Net Jamal Crawford has called it quits on, on an NBA career, he tweeted, he wrote, goodbye to the game, all the spoils, the adrenaline rush. Thank you, basketball. I owe you everything. And it's a picture of him, and is, he's next to a hoop outside. It's just He's got a basketball in his hand. It's a nice picture. Um, but when, when you hear Jamal Crawford is retiring from the, the sport of basketball, what goes through your head? I mean, he was one of the most fun journeymen, I think, to, to ever play the game, right? He was a flashy guy. He had great handles. He can get up on those jump shots. He, he was not afraid of the big moments. Um, three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, 2010, 2014, 2016. The NBA Teammate of the Year in 2018. So everyone enjoyed playing with him. He's a great hype man. He was a leader, especially the last, uh, the last decade. He was already a veteran um, and kept playing until, until what, he was 40. And over his career, averaged almost 15 points a game, 14.6 and three and a half assists. But I just think energy, man, who doesn't like Jamal Crawford? It's almost like the same thing with Lou Will, someone who's known for coming off the bench and being that leading that second unit, being just a fun, entertaining player, a good all around dude. Um, And, you know, I'm going to miss watching Jamal Crawford. He's one of those, you know, it's funny. Jamal Crawford is never going to be considered a superstar. Yeah, I don't think he was ever an all-star, if I'm not. I don't think so either. Nope, never an all-star. But for some reason, you kind of want the ball in his hands sometimes. 
in in big situations and, and almost like the Robert Ori effect, right? Big shot Rob, um, who had a bunch of championships and, and was never an elite player. So happy retirement to Jamal Crawford. Wish him nothing but the best in his post-basketball career. You know he's going to be heavily invested because he loves the game so much. But uh, a, a, a joy to watch. So all the best. Yeah. Uh, a few things about Crawford from my end. I was pumped when the Nets got him. He played like maybe a quarter of basketball in the bubble. Then he got hurt. So that was just tough to see. Um the play I'll remember most is when Crawford was with, oh God, it was either the Knicks or the Bulls. It might've been, I think it was the Knicks. Maybe it was, I don't know. He went behind the back, but with his right hand, but then pushed the ball back to his right hand with his left hand and finished with like a floater or a layup in the lane. It was one of the coolest shots uh, I think I've ever seen. Like you're watching it in real time and the defender had no chance, little Boop with the right hand, boop with the left hand, finish with the right um, in the lane. Awesome, awesome player, great scorer. And you, I, I think you are, you're absolutely right when you say, you know, it, it was cool. There's something that you love about someone who's willing to embrace that sixth man role. Lou Williams has done it. Um, Nick Young, when he was in the league, he did it a few years. But Jamal Crawford was the ultimate sixth man. And not everybody can do that. A lot of these athletes, a lot of these professional players – they want to start, you know, why, why am I coming off the bench? I'm just as good as these five guys. You know, I don't want to be the sixth man. Jamal Crawford took that role with multiple teams, ran with it and was one of the best six men in the last 20 years. So there, I, I think, yeah, if you like the sport of basketball and, and you like, you know, being a great teammate and, and camaraderie with, 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 you know, between players, you have to love what Jamal Crawford gave to the game of basketball, which was like you mentioned, he played with a flair he played with an intensity. He was a hell of a scorer, but he was also someone who was willing to embrace his role on whatever team he was on as long as he was able to, to get time and, and, and get up some shots. Uh, and, and he's just a hooper, man. When you think of like hoopers, yeah, maybe he wasn't an all-star. Maybe he wasn't a top five scorer in the league, but Jamal Crawford can hoop. And nobody who, who's ever watched him play basketball could doubt that. No, and I'll leave you guys with two fun facts about Jamal Crawford's career. First, He's the only he's only the second player in NBA history to score 10,000 points off the bench after Lou Will, who who's over 13K. I think Jamal's uh, retiring around 11, uh, 11 and change. And second, Ben, I don't know if you know this. This is a really cool stat, a really random stat. Jamal Crawford is the NBA leader for four point plays in history. I like that four point plays. So this dude can hit a three in your face, get knocked down and get back up and hit the free throw. Get knocked down, but he gets up again. Never um, gonna keep Jamal down. I he also got so high on his jump shots, man. I was I saying that before. I was saying that before. Yeah, I, I thought sometimes he was just gonna skyrocket out the stadium, come back down, and 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 finish. Uh, just as a little player, fun, a little fun game. Um, can you tell me all the teams he played for? Who the third after Lou Will and Jamal Crawford is the sixth man or the off the bench had the most points uh, in NBA history. A guy coming off the bench after Lou Will and Jamal Crawford. Is it Tony Kukoc? No, but I'll give you a hint. He has two sons in the NBA right now. Two sons in the NBA. Oh, Del Curry? Del Curry is third behind Lou Will and Crawford with most points off the bench. That's 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 a cool stat. But a hell of a career for Jamal Crawford. We wish him nothing but the best in retirement. That does it for this week's episode of Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick, brought to you by Empire Sports Media. Any final words for the listeners, Nick? 
I think it's your turn to do the song and I'd like you to do it in kind of like a Janice, uh, a Joplin type, uh, raspy way. First of all, isn't it Janet Joplin? <laughs> yeah, probably. Second of all, we no, agree. Janice. I was right, bro. It's Janice Joplin. My bad. I, I wanted to fuck with you there. Um, we agreed multiple episodes ago, not to do the song anymore. We're just doing the catch you on the fire side. So I'll do it. Uh, one, two, three, catch you on the fire side. Terrible. Peace. It's pretty good. <laughs>